All right. Um, just a reminder, you have to finish the, finish the Lost World by Tuesday. And today we're going to talk about the Lost World and evolution, or Darwinism. And make sure you're taking very careful notes, because your quiz will be on this lecture tomorrow. All right, just to begin, let's define Darwinism real simply. Darwinism is the theory that all life forms are descendants of a few beings. All life forms are, a descend are descendants of a few beings. Right. You see, Darwin went on his global tour, sailing around the world, and he noticed a variety in, in life forms. And of course, if you travel through the Galapagos Islands, for example, or if you were to go to Madagascar, or if you were to go to Texas or Australia, you see all these various strange creatures. And if you hate God and you don't believe the Bible and you really want to have some sort of a mythology or some sort of a, a justification for ignoring God's laws over man, then, you know, you put that together with your own creativity and your own mind and your imagination and you start to think of things like, well, why are there kangaroos over here and armadillos over here and lemurs over here in Madagascar and why are some birds, why do some have long beaks and others have short beaks and toucans and peacocks? And wow, he saw all this variety all around the world and he began to formulate a theory that all of these various life forms through adaptation and through what he called the law of natural selection over a period of time improved and adapted to their various environmental situations. Obviously, the environment of Australia and the environment of Canada are different, at least in, in parts. And so through natural selection and adaptation over generations, we eventually got to what we have today. So from a few life forms to all this vast variety that we have to this day. Right? That's basically Darwinism. Now, this theory, though, that Darwin began to imagine in his mind as he traveled around the world, he did not publish that for about 20 years. He really did. He held on to it because most of the world was still Christian and believed in, in um, the creation account in the book of Genesis. But the cultural elites, the professors, the university leaders, you know, the folks like Professor Challenger in The Lost World, the media, the elites... You know, these people were pushing um, secularism, pushing enlightenment thought, apostatizing from Christianity, though it, not, it had not yet you know, been uh, communicated down to the masses. And so it was an unpopular theory that he was going to have to, to, uh, to give. But another man began to say, another man began to say sort of similar things. And so he published his work, The Origin of the Species, in, uh, what, what was that, 1859? And in Origin of the Species, he acknowledges that the theory needs some, some work and some further testing and research needs to be done. The two things that research needed to be done on, you need to write these two things down, is that we needed to do more work on the fossil record. 
the fossil record needed to be more thoroughly explored. And specifically, what we would be looking for is the missing link, as it eventually became known as. Some sort of transitional creature. If all of the variety of life that we have today comes from a few earlier simple life forms, then there would be evidence in the fossil record of transitional species. Something between a fish and a, a bird. Something between an ape and a man. And of course, you're reading The Lost World, and so you know as they enter into the Amazon jungle and they, they walk up onto that massive plateau, what do they find there? Have y'all got to that section yet? Well, they find, as you're going to see, and we'll talk about this in a second, cavemen. They find the imaginary missing links that scientists were feverishly looking for all over the world. <coughs> Charles Darwin knew that they needed to find the missing links, and he knew that they would find it. He had faith. That's right. He had faith. He had certainty. Because evolution is a, a theory. It is a faith-based theory, not unlike the mythological um, origin stories of pagan religions in the past. You know, we've talked about this before, that life you know, emerging from the chaos. Right, we've talked about these things before. So the second thing, though, that needed to have uh, more research done was on how the adaptations in an animal or in one species is passed down to the next generation. And y'all have heard about this before. I mean, how does an eyeball adapt to its environment and then that adaptation get passed down to the next, to the kid, right? If, if I evolved to my environment in some way, in some sort of just minor way, I, for example, if my skin somehow adapted so that I would no longer get sunburned, would that be passed down to my kid, right? Right, you know? Or if somehow I could grow my hair back with a, some sort of adaptation so that I wouldn't have to wear a hat in the sun, would my, would my kid then be born with hair? Or would he be free from the curse of baldness? I don't know, I don't know. But how do these adaptations pa pass down generationally? And this is, of course, many years before what we know now about genetics and the science of genetics. And, um, and honestly, and just to sh cut it short here and to, show, to jump to the end of the, of the story, we never found the missing link. And the more we learn about genetics, the more we learn that information is not added. Right? You can't add information to the genetic code. Um, and so we've learned a lot more about how um, absurd Darwin's theories are. But in his day, people were feverishly trying to prove it. They wanted it to be true. They didn't want God, or at least the elites, the cultural elites and the, the uh, university establishment. They didn't want God to be our lawgiver and our creator. Right? So let me just quickly ask you this question and you answer, what do you call a book written that speculates that what we should find in the evidence? Uh, would you call that scientific or philosophical? Philosophical. Yeah, it's philosophical. It's philosophical because science is based on what you do see, not what you say you will one day see if we keep studying. You can see it's a philosophical book. Philosophical book. And uh, his book, as a philosophical book, a faith-based book, uh, is filled with a strange mixture of speculation and certainty. He was very certain about his speculation. 
which is very arrogant, very humanistic. All right, so now his book breaks on the scene. The cultural elites, the education, educational establishment, they begin to feverishly look for these missing links. And the first one that they find is Neanderthal. You need to keep a list of all of these in your notes. I want you to know all of them. Neanderthal, discovered in 1856. Now, Neanderthal had been discovered years earlier, about a decade earlier. But people began to speculate. Maybe Neanderthal was the missing link that we have all been feverishly searching for. But Neanderthal turned out to be human. Just simply too human. And as I told you yesterday, I actually know someone that got their DNA test back and they were 20% Neanderthal. Which is a little funny considering the, what in your mind a Neanderthal is. Right? But I'm going to talk a little bit of, in a second about why that is in your mind. It was right around this particular time period that artists began to add their, their skills and their trade to the quest to find the missing link. And what do you think the artists began to do? They began to draw from their imagination what a missing link would look like. And think about it. If it's true that the first men evolved from ape-like creatures, what would you imagine those first men would look like? <laughs> oh, hairy, right? Yeah. More intelligent than us or less intelligent than us? Less. A little less intelligent, right? How do you think they would walk? Like hunched over. Hunched over. But monkeys are really hunched over. Apes are really hunched over. And men are erect. So, so maybe they're just like a little hunched over, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Have you seen these pictures before? Mm -hmm. You know, apes drag their knuckles on the ground and can swing through trees. Maybe, maybe the middle, the, uh, the missing link's arms are long, but they're not all the way to the ground long. Maybe he has an advanced use of tools, not like a human, but you know he can. He's probably made a few uh, advancements in language. Like his language might be a little more advanced than chimpanzee. So you can imagine, and they begin to draw these hairy, ape-like, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, you know, simian ape creatures, and these pictures were um, put into um, the the psychology, into the psyche of people. All right. When you think of a caveman, what do you picture? Yeah, you picture the Geico commercials. I don't know if y'all remember those. Um, it was a Geico commercial, and it was two cavemen. And people would make jokes about caveman. Wow, you know, uh, I'm not a caveman. I understand what I'm talking about. And it was always a caveman getting offended by, by this use of his name as an insult. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and so, but when you think of a caveman, you think about what you're going to read in the lost world. And this comes from the artist's addition to the propaganda, to the quest for the missing link. All right? Um, <clears throat> and that brings us next, to the next uh, ape man. After a Neanderthal is Cro-Magnon. So that's the next one, Cro-Magnon. C-R-O. You ever heard of a Cro-Magnon man? If we have time to end the class, we can look up pictures of these. Cro-Magnon, C-R-O hyphen M-A-G 
N-O-N, Cro-Magnon. That's in 1868. Maybe he would be the 1868, the, the missing link that we all know we must find. And we're spending many tax dollars, much effort, trying to find it. And then after Cro-Magnon was Java Man. Java Man. 1891. Yeah, they all look like humanoids, ape humanoids. Now, here's the thing. We talked not too long ago, and we'll continue to talk about this, but why do people believe what they believe? Is it because of the facts, the evidence, the arguments, the logic? Or is it very often that they believe what they believe because they want to believe it, because they want it to be true? I mean, how is it that you're able to trick little kids into believing in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy? It's because, no offense, it's because they want it to be true. They want it to be true. Right? And so if you really, really want something to be true, is everyone paying attention? Not only will you fall for things easily, but would you be tempted to lie to perhaps persuade others? I mean, think about it. If evolution is true, if Darwin's theory is right, doesn't the world need to believe in the truth? Will not the truth set you free? And all of these rubes, these hayseed hicks, these Christians who don't believe in evolution, ugh, if only they could see a missing link, then they would all believe it. We can't find it yet, but we know that it exists because we know we have faith in our, in our beliefs and our philosophies. And so why don't we just make something up, you know? Help them, help them imagine it, help them come along. And so you begin to see a string of eight men, missing links, just totally made up, hoaxes. Just like that fairy hoax that I showed you yesterday. And the first one, or one of the biggest ones, was Piltdown Man. P-I-L-T. Piltdown Man. And this discovery rocked the scientific establishment. The media. The scientific elites. The university system. They were ecstatic. We finally found... Our missing link. Yes? Is there a date coming out? Um, I don't have the exact date, but it's right around the same late 1800s. But it was a hoax. If you wanted to make a fake missing link head, how do you think you would do it? Get a monkey. Get a, get a, a monkey of some sort. Get an ape. And what else would you do? And probably put some, like, I don't know, clay on it. No, I mean, you got you got to fool a lot of people. Clay, no one's going to uh, mistake clay for a skeleton. Some hair. Oh, it's a skeleton, you know. It's, it's not going to have hair anymore. The hair's going to have rotten off. Yeah, mixed bones from a human head and a orangutan. Well, and that's exactly what Piltdown Man was. It was the cranium of a human and the jaw of an orangutan. And it had been falsified, faked. It was a hoax. And of course, many people believed it. They traveled from miles around to see it, to behold the glory. It was a relic. It was a sacred relic, more sacred than the Holy Grail or a, a splinter from the cross of Christ. It was the secularist's dream come true. 
Piltdown Man. Finally, we have proof that we do not have a creator God and we don't have to be accountable to his laws. And there will be no judgment. And we can build civilization as we see fit. We can be as gods. And this Piltdown Man, this monkey head, is our proof. Now, the hoax was not admitted for 40 years. For 40 years, the scientific establishment kept it hush-hush. Now, of course, they do that today, you realize. They constantly do that today. And they, and they tell their lies. And when the lies are proven to be lies, do you think they come back on the news and be like, oh, by the way, we lied the other day? No, of course not. It's down in the footnotes, if ever even is made a mention of it. And... And for 40 years, this lie was perpetuated, and everyone who wanted it to be true, guess what? They believed it to be true. And this is how you steer the sheeple. This is how propaganda is used. And interestingly enough, guess who else believed it? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That's right. Ironically, the inventor of the man of facts, the man of science. Well, he too believed in Piltdown Man. It is interesting to me how gullible scientists can be, and even uh, detective novelists, and how often they speak about the fact that they are men of science, evidence, experimentation. But we all know, COVID certainly taught us, Mm -hmm. but we knew this before, that scientists are people too, and they believe what they want to believe too. No matter how many PhDs, no, how many, no matter how many degrees you have, your will, especially if your will is in rebellion against God, is going to cloud your mental capacities and your ability, ability to be honest with the facts. Yes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the inventor of the most rational, intelligent, facts-based detective that we've ever known, Sherlock Holmes, he too fell for it. <coughs> You know, in fact, some people believe he's the one that started it because he lived near Piltdown, just a couple miles away. And he knew the guy that, quote unquote, discovered it. Wouldn't that be something? So not only did he write a novel where he imagined evolution to be true, did he perhaps do some clay, do some modeling, some bone modeling to create a fake caveman? It's possible. It's possible he did it. It's possible he was involved. But one thing we know is that he believed it. He believed it. But, of course, listen to this. Uh, Most people in that day and age, they still believed in the Bible, still believed in Christianity. Um, But the people who were promoted to professorships and were given tenure in colleges and who went into education and public policy and media, those people believed in evolution. They wanted it to be true. And so they began over several generations, and it's still continuing today, to perpetuate this myth on the next generation of kids. Is everyone listening? You all listening? That's right. And so schools, universities in particular, scientific establishments, public education, schools began to pump out these little brainwashed skulls of mush continuing to believe lies with pictures of cavemen in their heads. You remember how um, we talked about uh, your picture of Santa Claus in your mind? 
how he has the colors of Coca-Cola? Mm -hmm. Well, that was done to you, right? And, and your picture of Jesus in your mind. What's he like? Long-haired, effeminate hippie. Right? That was done to you. That was a part of the feminization of Christianity. And they did it with pictures. Pictures are powerful. They, you know, they say a picture tells a thousand words. And you have pictures of cavemen in your mind too, don't you? Of course you do. It's just a part of your psyche. It's a part of our cultural milieu. And, and they have been pumping out little brains filled with brainwashing in their schools, using propaganda, lies, pictures, etc. <coughs> All in their coordinated um, rebellion against God. <coughs> now, let's think about this before we're done. If you believed a lie for 40 years, okay, and you really went in on it, you taught it in the classroom, you taught your kids the lie, <coughs> oh, excuse me, and then 40 years later, you found out that it was all a lie. You believed it, you wanted it to be true, and then you perpetuated it. You publicly were for it. And now 40 years later, you find out Piltdown Man was a lie. You think you're going to change your mind at that point? You think you're going to go back? No, that would be too embarrassing, wouldn't it? No, you're not going to go back. Unless you repent, of course. Repent of the rebellion against God, repent of the lies, repent of your gullibility. But if you don't repent, you're just going to keep on keeping on. Keep on in your search and your quest for that ever-missing link. Hoping to find it one day. But knowing with faith that it's definitely out there. Somewhere, right? Somewhere out there is the truth. So if you continued in that lie, do you think you'd be gullible and susceptible to more lies? Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. You'd be on a new path. You'd be on a path of, of deception and gullibility. Do you think you'd be susceptible to the attacks of Satan? Yes. So how do you know and how can you protect yourself from hoaxes, from from being gullible and susceptible to lies. Because if you believe one for long enough, well, you know, it can be really difficult and embarrassing to have to go back. But how can you protect yourself? Give me one word. Bible. The Bible, that's right. Through the Word of God and prayer and diligent study and by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you don't have to uh, get sucked into the propaganda that is coming out of the television and the internet um, most, mo most of which is much more fabricated and God-hating than even Piltdown Man. All right, that's it.